Hello, and welcome to a new series of pod shorts from your At The Flex team. We are going to be speaking to Phil Foster, a.k.a. Phil the Bear, and get his take monthly on what's happening in the world of films. To start this monthly show off, we're going to be talking about Phil's most anticipated films of the year. Now, I'll put my hand up here and say straight away, this should have been on last month. But we had a slight technical problem. We've now corrected it, so we're starting a month later, which means we've shuffled some of these films along. Phil, sorry about that. That's how... okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. And how has the cinema year been for you so far? Well, as always with January, with awards season, it's been really, really busy. Uh, I saw 12 films in January, as well as I saw three others in previews in December. So it's quite a lot of films in the first month. I'm not convinced I've seen any timeless classics, but the three that I'd say that stood out were The Favourite, Stan and Ollie, and If Bill Street Could Talk. And that last one, I think, will be out by the time this recording's released, because I got to see it on a preview. And it's probably the, the best film I've seen this year by a long way. Knowing that you like scores, Jeff, I'd be very surprised if you are raving about the score in Bill Street. Oh, you've whetted um, my appetite for that one. Um, and otherwise, I think there's been some good performances in other films. Christian Bell in Vice. Yep. Shersha Ronan in Mary Queen of Scots. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Kira Knightley in Colette and uh, Hugh Jackman in The Front Runner. I think all of those are really good performances. I think Colette's the best film out of all of those, but um, <laughs> I know you don't agree with that, Jeff. <laughs> I know Jeff doesn't agree with that. And three out of four performances, I, I will say, are possible. One I thought was shocking, but yeah, okay, that's that's interesting. My film so far this year has been uh, Green Book. Yeah, so I saw that in um, one of the previews back in December, and yep. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really good, really good sort of film. I know it's, it's almost a bit offensive, but it's kind of one of those Sunday evening films, I think, that sort of makes you feel quite good before you go into the week. But it's also one of those films that award seasons, I think, kind of ruins it because I don't think it's a best picture type of film. And it's, it seems almost to be one of the favourites and it's getting talked up quite a lot. I don't think it's that at all on any level, but it is a really enjoyable film. And that's one of the things with award seasons that I find tricky is... Um, I really enjoyed watching that film and then it got nominated for lots of awards and I was like, no, and it kind of ruins the film slightly for me. Well, I th next month we're going to be talking about the award season and we're going to do something unique. We're going to talk at the end of the season and we're going to say, did this deserve it or not? I'm sure a green book will come back into that because my view is completely different to yours. <laughs> As always. Yeah, I hope I'm not talking to you about Green Book winning Best Picture. That would be great. No, I, I, it's it's the favourite, isn't it? The favourite or... Not for the Oscars. It might be favourite for the BAFTAs. But, yeah, but that's, that's mainly because, you know, uh, the the Brits are blinkered. It is, it'd be interesting to hear if Roma gets it. Yeah, Roma's nominated for Best Picture at both the BAFTAs and the, the Oscars, I think. Yeah. yeah, but the problem with Roma is also nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, which will split the vote. So the moment that happened, it hasn't got a prayer to win in Best Film. Yeah, it's a shame, really. It'd be about time something like that won it. I think Roma would be nailed on for winning Best Director. I do think that. Whether it gets picture as well, I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, depends if he's got a fisheye camera lens. Isn't it? Oh, really good for, some of the for God's sake. I thought, I thought the only problem with Roma was the story uh, was a little bit thin. I thought the cinematography was fantastic. I thought the direction was great. I just thought that the story was slightly weaker 
you know, I needed a bit more punch from a story. But then again, you know, you never know with the Academy. They don't see things the way I tend to see them. So. Yeah, and I think with Roma, it's, um, the surprise is that they like it so much that um, it got nominated for Supporting Actress as well. And that was kind of a bit out of the blue, which would suggest that a lot of people really do like it enough that it might get everything. Well, as we're now talking about something I haven't seen, let's go on and talk about what's to come out then. What are your most anticipated films of the year, Phil? Okay, so what I've done in an effort not to name about 50 odd odd movies, I think it might be close to that. I've got kind of groups of films and I'm going to leave the ones that I'm really looking forward to till the end. Okay. So the first group of films I was going to talk about was Disney live action. So this year we've got Dumbo, The Lion King and Aladdin all coming out. Following on from obviously they've already done Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella and Jungle Book. I think probably Dumbo sounds the most interesting out of those three. Tim Burton's due a good film. He hasn't done a really good film for a long time. And it's got Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito in it. So it's it's going to be a, a secret Batman Returns sequel, hopefully. <laughs> That's good. So I think those three films are basically $3 billion in the bank, at least for Disney. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Uh, certainly, um, The Lion King. I can't imagine that not going down an absolute storm. I mean, Dumbo's coming out for Easter. That's got its built-in market there, and it's about the same time they did for Beauty and the Beast. You've got the other two are summer releases. I mean, even Guy Ritchie can't screw up Aladdin. <laughs> I don't think people have been too keen on the sort of the f- photographs that they've released so far because they haven't. They've got Will Smith without his sort of blue post sort of FX stuff, haven't they? I think they did like almost like a press release saying that he will be blue, the genie will be blue, don't worry. Okay, but I think those are three good films and they're all going to make an absolute fortune. What else is there then, Phil? All right, well, so Jeff's favourite subject is superheroes. Um, there's lots of superhero films. Oh, joy. The three that I'm probably most interested in is the two Marvel films, so Captain Marvel, which I've already booked my midnight screening for, Avengers Endgame, and the one non-Marvel film that I'm quite keen on is Dark Phoenix. I like some of the X-Men films, but they're a bit 50-50 X-Men films, so let's see whether this one will actually um, be good. One yeah, one final thing I was going to say was, is um, I absolutely love the Captain Marvel poster campaign. I think the posters for that film are just really, really great and really capture the sort of front cover of a comic sort of sensibility. Well, three things. Number one... She smiles too much for me. I don't trust her. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, number two, I like any superhero film with the word end in it. And number three, Graham's not as excited as you are about Dark Phoenix. I'm excited, but I'm very, very nervous about how they're going to do it. You know, the, the last time they brought out the, the Phoenix, it was a terrible movie. And hopefully they've got it right this time. It's a complicated storyline in the comics. And I just wonder how they're going to do it. Yeah, well, I think that's the problem with with X Men because I think I think X Men Three, which is the one you're probably referring to, is yep. was pretty awful. I think the last one, Apocalypse, was pretty bad as well. But then they can do a film like Days of Future Past and X Men Two, which are both really, really good. And you just kind of hope that it's more towards that than the others. Well, I think you've got two big hitters there: the two Marvel films again, a billion for Captain Marvel, two billion for Endgame. I just don't think Dark Phoenix is going to cut it, but we'll see. So my next group of films is animations, which actually a couple of these are, are now already out. So two of the, the ones that my family are looking forward to are Lego Movie 2 and How to Train Your Dragon 3, which 
and we I've managed to catch Lego Movie too. It's all right. It's it's good. It's not as good as the original. My kids loved it though, so that's fine. Hasn't done that well in the states. I don't think it. It doesn't sound like it is as good. It just doesn't. The the in the states it really just has has bombed as you see. Yeah, the the, the US yeah. numbers look really poor. The songs are probably the best thing about Lego Movie Two, and there's a comedian called Jean Lejoie, who I've um I follow for a while on YouTube. He does some incredibly non-child friendly and funny music videos, and he's been asked to write some of the songs for Lego Movie Two, and it's at its best when there's like, these songs are on. And there's about four or five songs in the film, which is um, you know, a bit of a departure from the original. I haven't seen the original Lego movie. We are reviewing Lego Movie 2 this month, so I'm going to see that without seeing the original. Am I going to get confused? I think you definitely will get some jokes if you, go, if you watch the first one beforehand. There are definitely some callbacks and some sort of funny references to things that happened in the first one. But... You know, you're not going to get confused. You 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 get along just fine. I just think that you probably laugh a bit more if you've seen the original. Okay, what's your next batch of anticipated films? In in the animation to come, we've got a couple more big powerhouse mouse house films. So we've got Frozen Two and Toy Story Four. But the one that is far more interesting than that is there's uh, an animated version of the Adams Family in the works, oh, yeah. which has a really, really good voice cast, which includes Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron as Gomez and Morticia. Really looking forward to that. I hope it gets a, a decent release and doesn't kind of sort of disappear into, in amongst all the other films. That's due to open in November, I think. Yeah, I was wondering if they were going to try and do it for um, Halloween, but because it's, I assume it will be child-friendly, they probably won't go for Halloween. Yeah, I think they're going to grab the slot that they put the Grinch into in 2018 and see if they get the same success. Okay. Yeah, but no, I, I definitely want to see that. And then um, jumping on to horror, straight from animation to horror, like you know, that's the best way to do it, I think. Excellent. Um, there's a there's a couple of Stephen King adaptations. So there's Pet Cemetery and It Chapter Two, and then Jordan Peele's follow up to Get Out, which is called Us which has had a really, really great poster come out in the last week or two. Um, I don't know if you've seen that yet. The, the face being taken off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, no, Pet Cemetery. I want that to be my film to review in April, so uh, Graham and Neil can come with me to watch it. That's not going to happen. Sure, why not? I'll go. I won't. Go on, go on. I think you should go. Just What you should do is aim for like a lunchtime screening on a, on a nice, bright, sunny day. And then you've got the rest of the day to get over it. Or worry about it. (laughs) Or worry about it, yes. Uh, Graham, what was your thoughts after seeing the new trailer for it? Well, I had to go downstairs and have a Valium sandwich. I mean, it was... The new trailer is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I didn't get through it all through it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they've changed the book. Yeah, they've made it the little girl rather than the the, the boy who uh, gets killed and has to be sort of buried beyond the pet cemetery. That's not a spoiler. That's in the trailer. Yeah, and that freaked me out. Her coming back into the house and her footsteps and the mud and oh god, you know, ter- terrifying. Absolutely, I'm not good with children being, you know, killed and things like that. I think it's really, really horrible. But yeah, you saw the first Pet Cemetery, I assume, Phil. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's pretty freaky to be honest. I'm, I'm really looking forward to a um, new version. Whether I don't know what they're going to call it, a reimagining or whatever they call these sort of remakes. Well, I see they've still got the Achilles tendon bit still in there because they showed that in the trailer or the lead into it. That freaked me out in the original. I think it looks like 
they're taking some of the more dramatic bits from the original and I've, and I've I don't know exactly what they're doing but I have read recently that they're talking about it there there is a departure in it I don't know if that's like the, what you just referenced there boy to the girl whether there's going to be something else as well but I guess I'm, what I'd probably try and do is go into it a little bit cold and see if, see if it can just scare the wits out of me because that's probably the best thing about horror films generally just let it yeah, I mean, I loved the book, and Radio 4 did a five-part version quite a few years ago now, but that was very effective. So, no, I look forward to that. It Chapter 2, looking to see where that takes it. I'm sure Graham and Neil will watch Chapter 1 beforehand, so we can all go in for that. Yep, sure. Sure, why not? Why not? Yep. You pair of <laughs> what's it? Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do know that in the second one, I mean, there's more of the children, so there's more flashback stuff. And apparently one of the things they're putting in, you've read the book, haven't you, Phil? Because I think we had this discussion about the book before. Yeah, yeah, I read the, yeah, I read the book, yeah. actually. I, I never read the book before the most recent film, and I read it because I was like the, that film was coming out. Um, although I didn't quite anticipate when I ordered it off of Amazon that it was like 1,200 pages or whatever it was. And it was quite an undertaking to try and read it before the film came out. You should try the audiobook version. It's 33 hours long. But, yeah, no, the, the bit in the book where they travel back in time and see it arrive on Earth, I believe is going to be in this film version. I would hope they change the end of the book because it's just not cinematic. Do you think that's going to be in it? I can't imagine that they're going to have the, the kids go back to sort of primordial Earth time. Or do you think they will? I think they'll do that because that's an interesting sequence when you see it arrive on Earth and the way he arrives, or it arrives, I, I think will be interesting to see. I just think the very end of the film with the turtle, the real nature of power. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, I think that it's too freaky. It's like, you know, 2001 of the horror. If they do that, they could always try and sort of have a Stephen King cinematic universe, couldn't they? Because that's kind of ultimately what that does is kind of link them to, together you never know there might be like a end credits thing at the end of pet cemetery that introduces it and then when it chapter two comes out it reinforces it well there is a third stephen king one coming this year now isn't it because it's just been confirmed that dr sleep has a november release okay i know i've not heard of that one but i i know that there's they're meant to be making a couple of tv series i think is it Tommy Knockers and The Stand again? Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. But yeah. Doctor Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. It's the young boy grown up and played by Ewan McGregor. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Doctor Sleep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. now coming in. That's now been put down for November. So, again, it'd be interesting to see what they tie in with that. I mean, I know that abortion of a movie a few years ago of The Dark Tower, they tried doing that there, you know, with the... There's references to Pennywise and a couple of other things in that. And that's another one that's getting the TV movie treatment, or TV treatment, because Amazon are doing a 13-part version of book four, The Songs of Kala, which is the flashback book about Roland Deschain when he's young. All right, OK. I, that's I, interesting. I've, ne I've never got past book one of the, uh, the Gunslinger series. So. Book one is, is just a tiny little taster of what's to come. Book two is just a roller coaster and then i think it goes there's another one after that and then book four is the color book so so book one yeah as you say is the one with the gunslinger Slinger. and the man in black book two is the drawing of the three the doors so the Eddie. one with all the doors in it which yeah. is phenomenal and then book three is when he brings the boy back jake comes back into it right yeah and then book four is then the flashback and yeah. that is really a 
very powerful book and they're, they're picking the right one to start with because it sets up the origin story of the gunslinger and what will be interesting if amazon decide to do roland as white or black so are they going to keep with what the dark tower film tried to do which in my opinion was a mistake because there are certain racialist things that go on in the series and they completely undercut all of that or if they go back to as it was done where roland is white and then Detta Walker, one of the other key characters, is black. And that's the racial interplay that is very, very effective in the books. I was going to say, how come you can read the books but not watch the films, Graham? I had no idea. I Honestly, Phil, I asked myself that question quite a lot. You know, I, I'm, I'm actually reading Stephen King's son's books at, at the minute, which are um, graphic novels, uh, Lock and Key. And I showed Jeff some of the panels from the, from it. And it's horrendous as people getting hit in the head with hatchets and all sorts of things. I can quite happy with the graphic novels, but I just cannot take the um, the movies. They just scare the bejesus out of me. Although you did enjoy A Quiet Place. I did enjoy it. But and again, that's but that's more sci-fi. And I like I like Alien and Aliens and that sort of thing. But um, once it gets into that sort of psychological inside your head ghosty stuff ah oh, no thank you one one of the things i don't know if you've read it or not um graphic novel wise but um stephen king co-wrote the first volume of a comic called american vampire with um scott snyder and um that series of graphic novels is amazing oh wow okay yeah this is my week for having recommendations so a friend of mine alex recommended lock and key and i just sat down and read it in one session it was so good so I'm going to be busy right, for yeah. a while. So American Vampire, right. Okay, thank you. Okay, so back to films and moving <laughs> on from horror. What else have we got, Phil? All right, so one one final group before my sort of favourite films, uh, or at least what I'm hoping are going to be my favourite films of the year. Um, so it's kind of a bit of an action hodgepodge. So we've got John Wick Chapter 3, which um, I think the first two are genius, really show up. Anybody doing fight choreography, the John Wick films, they're brilliant. So hopefully the third one will be as good. And then there's two sort of super secretive films that I think everyone would probably be interested in. So we've obviously got Star Wars Episode Nine um, at the end of the year, which hopefully will be good. And we've got the un- untitled Terminator film. So I'm not sure if you know, I, d- I don't know what the slot is that that's aiming for. I don't know an awful lot about it, but it's again, it's uh, can they make a decent Terminator film after like quite a few tries i did read today cameron has been over given a lot of interviews for attila and um, alita alita <laughs> and um he has been talking about it because he's involved so he said this is a direct sequel to terminator 2 it's set in mexico he leaked the title which i can't remember at the moment uh, i think it's dark destiny or dark vision or something like that so we'll, we'll wait and see where that goes but I'm not sure. I think Paramount might have blown it with this one. So does that mean we, we can ignore Terminator 3, Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis then? I did. <laughs> Probably a bit scary for you, Neil. But, I mean, oh, I just hope they pick it up because Terminator 2 was such a good film. I mean, it was brilliant on every level. We'd never seen special effects like that before. It just pounds along i've never seen a film with so much pace in it it well until Possibly. mission impossible fallout. fallout that was the same sort of pacing constant moving forward i have one um wild card in the action category which may or may not turn out to be good so it's a film called chaos walking do you know what i i thought you were going to say hobbs and shaw then 
<laughs> Do you know what? We we all know that Hobson Shaw will be the best video game movie that isn't a video game. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good call. Uh, so the reason I picked it is just because of who's attached, not because I really know anything about it. So um, Doug Lyman is attached as director, and so he's he's the uh, director of Born Identity, American Made, and Edge of Tomorrow, and Swingers, and, and the yeah, and uh, Jumper and go and yeah it's a quite a lot of good films yeah. and it, it's starring tom holland um who is currently our spider-man and daisy ridley who's currently our um heroine in star wars so um, poor man's kira knightley <laughs> um well maybe, oh, uh, gee, <laughs> i thought she was all right in um the kenneth branagh orient express i thought she was quite she was good in that uh, she was good yeah she was good i think it should have been someone a little bit older for that character, but she gave a good performance, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know much about it. I know it's a young adult book that's being adapted into a film. I think it's got a good director, a good, good sort of couple of leads there. I'm, I'm hoping that that might be a sort of surprise summer film for everyone. Well, Doug Lyman, he's never let me down yet. Go is so underrated. Mm. Fantastic film. It's one of those films that starts off, you're on edge thinking this is going to get nasty and he pulls it in a different direction okay what's your next what's your next batch phil so, so the next batch is is what i'm hoping are going to be some of the the best films of the year um so we've got once upon a time in hollywood which is tarantino pulling almost every actor that you can think of in there so brad pitt leonardo dicaprio margot robbie I think Al Pacino, and I'm, I'm sure many others. And it's um, it's questionable as to, is it based on a true story? It's certainly set around the time of the Manson killings. And um, There's two threads running. One is the Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, which is a completely false story about people sort of that were in the TV industry and have fallen out and they're trying to restart a film career. And their house is next door to Sharon Tate's. Uh, around the time of the Manson murders. So, yeah, I think you've got fact and fiction mix in there. I think um, there's some set photographs have come out and it looks fantastic. And, yeah, I mean, just hoping that it's going to be really good sort of catchy film. I'm hoping that Tarantino might par it down. I think his last couple of films have been closer to three hours than two. It might be nicer to have a slightly less verbose film that's a little bit short. Phil, one thing we can definitely take for granted, we won't have 40 minutes of two people on a carriage driving off into the middle of the Wild West through these snow-covered vistas talking about bollocks for that length of time. I, I really enjoyed The Hateful Eight. I don't know about <laughs> you other guys. I liked The Hateful Eight as well, yeah. We all went to see it together, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, well, we the, went to Stroud, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and it had the intermission and all of that. But the thing with it was, and it was trying to be an Agatha Christie-type film, Agatha Christie actually shows you all the suspects, doesn't keep the one that's the real killer back and hidden. In in the underground, yeah, okay, yeah. right, yeah, fine. But I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was fine. It's just not what I expected from Tarantino. With Tarantino, I always expect him to break all the rules, do something very different, you know, very edgy. And this was sort of just a, a Western with a little bit of a twist. And very misogynistic. Oh, <laughs> Right, moving on then, moving on then. <laughs> Thanks, Phil, um, well saved. So I've got two films that are kind of space-related, one based on true story and one that's far more sci-fi. So we've got Ad Astra, which is a um, film directed by James Gray, whose last film was The Excellent Lost City of Zed. 
So that's Brad Pitt um, going in search of his missing father, played by Tommy Lee Jones, so sort of across the solar system. So that sounds like really sort of interesting, cool science fiction. If James Gray can get the same sort of scope that he got of people travelling through the Amazon as he did in Lost City of Zed, but to put it into a space setting, I'm completely sold on it. So hopefully that'd be great. And the other one is um, called Lucy in the Sky, which is from Noah Hawley, who is uh, TV's creator of Fargo and Legion. Fargo is absolutely exceptional. And Legion, I've not seen the second series. The first series is brilliant. Second series is something like 12 episodes long, and it could have been done in three episodes. They've got the third series as being filmed as we speak and they're not having a fourth season but i'm with you on fargo the three fargo series were just amazing and the other thing in the third series is that uh, professor xavier will appear oh yes i heard this i think they've cast him i don't know if they've announced who the actor is yet but i think they've cast him but yes yeah, so lucy in the sky stars natalie portman dan stevens of course from legion and john ham And it's based on a true story about an astronaut returning from space. She kind of loses her connection with, you know, the real world because she spent so long in space. And it's much more of a a drama and it sounds sort of earthbound. But I don't know whether there's, you know, there'd be sort of some kind of science fiction element of having them up in space and stuff. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Okay, so your most anticipated films of the year then, Phil? I've got two more. So I've um, I've got Knives Out which is Ryan Johnson's next film after Star Wars. So Ryan Johnson obviously did Brick and Looper and The Brothers Bloom. Um, I don't know much about it other than it's a crime film and Chris Evans and Daniel Craig are in there. My final, possibly my most exciting one, is a Netflix film, which is The Irishman, which is um, Martin Scorsese directing De Niro, Pacino, Pesci and Keitel. And it's about the hitman who may or may not have killed Jimmy Hoffa. And actually, interestingly, um, his editor, Thelma Schoonmaker. Yeah. Yes. Um, so she's receiving the BAFTA Fellowship. And she was doing an interview recently. And I think it's the most that anybody's ever talked about this film. And she, what she sort of referred to was that the first half of the film, sort of the first of hours so will basically feature those actors being digitally de-aged by ILM to sort of be like the younger sort of part of the the story and then obviously cut cut to them as the older part and that's why it's been so long in sort of post-production it sounds really interesting and you know it's a shame that it's not going to be on the big screen although Netflix might release it might do a limited release I think because I think they might sort of try to be awards sort of season for it yeah I think they will okay moving on So what cinema trends do you see emerging this year? And I know one that we're going to come back to and talk in most of these sessions is cinema versus streaming. Yeah, so I think other than cinema versus streaming, which obviously we talked about Scorsese's Irish, I think the main thing is just going to be about how much money Disney are going to make and what does that mean to the other studios. So we briefly touched on it already. They've got three live-action Disney remakes. They've got two Marvel films. They've got two huge animated sequels and they've got Star Wars. I mean, that's eight films that I can't imagine. If half or all of them make a billion dollars, then I wouldn't be surprised. But if Disney are going to make that much money and dominate that much, what does that mean for the other studios? And what does the the Fox buyout mean for the X-Men franchise and for the sort of more edgy films that Fox would normally put out? 
know, will Fox still exist or will Disney kind of bring them back completely into the Disney sort of name, which means that we wouldn't get any 15 or 18, 18 rated films from them. Well, Disney have released a statement to say they will not tone down the character of Deadpool. So that's okay. something. That's yeah. just one, though, isn't it? And Deadpool that's makes money. But start. Deadpool makes money, so the, the, they wouldn't want to tone that one down, would they? Well, they can't really exclude, you know, the the more mature audience. They can't just ignore the the adult audience and just focus on kids' films. It's just crazy. We'll, we'll see, but I mean, I think that's the big trend for me is um, just quite how much money is Disney going to make. It's obscene, isn't it? I mean, they could average a billion, couldn't they, with all those uh, those eight you mentioned? That's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. They're going to need that money because they're streaming isn't going to take off that much. They're too far behind the curve. And streaming effectively takes an awful lot of work. Amazon have the biggest cloud infrastructure on the planet, so they can stream effectively. Netflix have some of the best IT people I have ever met, and they are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Their um, Chaos Monkey um, technology is amazing. And they've now got the Chaos Gorilla I thought they were going to have Chaos Kong. I thought that was... The oh, is that what it's called? I'm, I'm, I'm two years out of the IT industry, but I was talking to them about Chaos Gorilla, so they've probably renamed him by now, yeah. But that level of smart technology doesn't come easy, and Disney might think, oh, yeah, it's just over-the-air video boxes, but it's not. It takes an awful lot to run an online service, especially if 20 million people are trying to watch the same thing at the same time. So, Phil, do you think this year we'll see the end of the superhero movie? Do you think the bubble will finally burst? It's not a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> it is to me, Phil. Um, uh, so Iron Man came out um, 11 years ago now, and I think Marvel released two or three films a year, every year almost since then. Pretty much. And I, 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 was, I was looking at the stats, and so six of the top ten grossing films of 2018 were superhero films. So they were Avengers, Black Panther, Incredibles 2, Aquaman, Venom, and Deadpool 2. And when something like Venom can be in the top ten grossing films of the year, definitely can't think superheroes are a bubble. It surprised me that it had made a billion. Well, it hasn't. It's on the 800 mark, I think, at the moment, isn't it? Venom hasn't made a billion. Yeah, Venom's not quite made a billion yet, but it's done. I think it is about 800 million, and it's way more than it deserves. But, I mean, I guess what that what that leads me to is, whilst I don't think the bubble will burst this year, that doesn't mean that there won't be bad superhero films, because there still are some bad superhero films, although Marvel seems to be almost exempt at the moment. Uh, there's There's two or three coming out this year that I'm very much nervous about so we mentioned the x-men and dark phoenix which you know the x-men films are hit and miss um hellboy has had some really ropey looking trailers um, come out for it Uh, and i'm not i'm not sure that that's going to be anywhere near as good as the um, guillermo del toro ones and the other one which um i'm really on the fence about and i'm really hoping will be good is the joker i'm not sold on um I've forgotten the director's name, but the guy who directed it, who's the guy who directed The Hangover. Todd Phillips. Yeah, that sounds right, yeah. So I'm not sold on him, but I do think that all of his films feature people who aren't very nice people. So that might work for him doing the, the, you know, the Joker movie. And it has got Joaquin Phoenix, who's an absolutely exceptional act, actor as well. So, so, you know, fingers crossed it will be good, but I'm, I'm not 
sold. I'm, I'm to be honest, though, I'm not sold on DC's scatter shots. They seem to have just decided that the cinematic universe isn't going to happen for them, so they do a, a series of loosely connected film and see which ones work and which ones don't. And, and to be honest, I think one of the flops this year will be Shazam. Well, I hope not. I mean, it's it's a bit too obscure, I think, to get a huge audience. But it is a fun comic, and I'm assuming they're going to aim it at a much more younger audience and try and sort of get a... I don't know whether they're going to go for a 12A still or whether they're going to aim a bit PG sort of certificate because it could be that kind of fun, family-friendly sort of superhero film. OK, we'll wait and see. So what about your aims for the year? I know you're hard at work on your Coen Brothers project. How's that coming along? Yeah, so I'm I'm now halfway through my Coen Brother Yay! piece. Of, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, um, I think I've got an introduction and um, the first nine films reviewed. So in terms of other director retrospectives, I was thinking I could do another one and pick a director who's done less films. So I've got in mind um, Paul Thomas Anderson, David Fincher and Christopher Nolan. Now they've done eight films and ten each in in that order. So it's a slightly less of an undertaking. Otherwise, there's a a subject that we were talking about maybe doing on one of these features, which is about Netflix animations. I am absolutely in love with the amount of... um, Adult animation doesn't sound right, but animation that's aimed at an older audience. So um, incredibly rude and funny, and uh, there's some really good stuff on there. And the other thing I said in my sort of of end-of-year blog on my website was um, if anyone's got any ideas or things that um, they're interested in, if it takes my fancy, I, I might have a have a go at it. Jeff did challenge me to write a Why I Hate Love Actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which which I might do, but I definitely have to wait until Christmas time because I don't think anyone would be so interested in it in the middle of the summer. So Love Actually is one of my... Um, love to hate films and I just I cannot understand why um, people find it so interesting or enjoyable especially when you've got the likes of um, It's a Wonderful Life as like clearly the greatest Christmas film of all time. Well there's no argument on that it's, but I still think Love Actually is really good and Bill Nye and that section is is very funny. Die Hard is the ultimate Christmas movie. Yeah, that's that's uh, that was that once uh, was it Empire Magazine did a, a vote or something, didn't they? And Die Hard one. <laughs> Die Hard two has more snow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Phil, thank you very much for your time for your anticipated films of the year. So next month we're going to be talking about the award season. Now it's passed. Did they get it right? But Phil, thank you for your time and look forward to talking next month. <laughs>